Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. Women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way. And he surprised me by saying, you know what? You're right. I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt. I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist, who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalize the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. 
On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob. This vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Tea. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. <laughs> and I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. But I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world. And when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women. And for our younger girls, it is worse. Forgetting. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up. The limbic system gets fired. We lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people Girls, our girls, our boys are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free internet. We started something called the Speech Project, curbing abuse, expanding freedom. And that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us. Our natural sexuality is 
I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. I didn't. I was checking it almost every day. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. Deleted it. But I actually pay I someone it. to scrub my social media feeds attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child. And so that tweet brought up that trauma and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech and we disaggregate it and we code it and we give that data so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few. And of course, I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy. And clearly, it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents, it's essential. Two. Shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. Edge, the global standard for gender equality is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen about how deplorable hashtag Gamergate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. Broadcasting live from the city of Chicago. Beautiful day outside. Gorgeous day. And I hope it's gorgeous and beautiful where you are in the world. Thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. It is a great day out here, folks. Um, Once again, vote blue. Vote blue. I'm going to be talking about saying that almost every time. I come on the air because we are heading towards the midterm election and we want to be ready for it. We want to be ready for it. I mean, we are ready. And then there's some people who aren't ready for it, but they are going to vote blue, but they don't feel that that it's going to do anything. Stay positive. Stay positive. Always be positive. Stay alert. Um, don't just sit around and expect other people to fight your battles for you. You have to get up there, and, and I've said this a thousand times, you have to fight your own battles. Don't expect someone to come and lead you into the promised land. Lead yourself into the promised land. Uh, yeah, we're in some trying times here, but we have to do this ourselves. No one's going to do it for us. You know, Some people need a little bit more motivation than others to act I understand that a lot of people aren't used to actually acting on their own. They're just voting and hopefully hopefully, uh, put all their marbles on the table and their confidence to to the people that they vote for. But when the people that you vote for turn their back on you, then you have to figure out uh, what's next. When the people that you vote for refuses to represent you and do the right thing on your behalf, there must be a plan B and a plan C. And that's, I be, and those are some of the things I think we have to work on. We have to work on a plan B and a plan C whenever uh, we don't think that our representatives are going to represent us at all, period. Instead, they're representing themselves. They're representing the um, party bosses and not you. They're not representing you, even though you've given them their jobs. Not the party bosses. The party bosses have didn't do a thing for them, but pushing them around, and they become scared, scared uh, out of their screwing minds. And uh, this is something we have to deal with. Okay, there's some news that ran across my wire here. I want to let's see if we can get back to it. I think Trump, uh, Donald Trump. It's awful to say that name. Uh, Donald Trump tried to today, I believe, try to block users from his Twitter feed. When he tweets, he doesn't want anyone to reply or to rebut or to respond on what he was tweeting. He tried to block by going to a federal court and the, and the judge refused to block him. I mean, this is the Second Amendment, Second Amendment uh, freedom of speech. Donald Trump, he wants to be able to say what he wants to say, and you, uh, you are not supposed to respond to him as he says this. Anyway, tweeting is not a presidential 
policy. He does it on his own. He doesn't have to tweet, but that's what he wants to do. And he wants to judge. He wants to judge to to block users like you and me to keep from responding to his idiotic and misspelled and grammar error tweets. This man wants to be a dictator. He wants to be. He wants to be. Uh, I mean, I I've been railing about this guy for the on, for the past week and two weeks on my show. Uh, this guy wants to be. He wants to be a dictator. He wants to be Hitler. He can, <laughs> does he know anything about history? Of course not. Hitler killed himself. <laughs> he couldn't take it. They was. I mean, they were the Allied forces was were. Uh, 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 they were coming in. They were coming to get Hitler. They were they were uh, closing in on on Hitler, and Hitler killed himself along with his wife, poisoned himself. But that, this is what he wants to be. He wants to be Hitler. So he tried to block users from his Twitter feed feed to keep keep to keep from responding to what he tweets, and he lost. He lost in court on this. You know, I mean, he can't. This is an American uh, treasure, Twitter. It was there before he became president. We were tweeting before he became. We were Facebooking before he became president. If he, if he would have won this, it, Facebook would have been next, because Facebook is not on Donald Trump's side. I mean, you see so many images on Facebook of Donald Trump being handcuffed, arrested, taken out to jail, taken out of the White House. It, in jail and handcuffs and leg irons, that may never ha- happen in reality. But it could. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to uh, spoil anybody's dream. But it could happen. It could happen. I think Bill Maher said said it could not happen. In this president, uh, with this president, anything can happen. In this age of Donald Trump, anything could happen whatsoever. He's trying, and the way he's vilifying the FBI, he is. Still, Villa. Now he's saying the FBI put somebody in his campaign spy on his campaign, something to that effect. And now he's trying to. I mean, he really is trying to make this out of some great big worldwide history scandal. And he's calling it Spygate. You might have heard of this. The man is whacked. The man needs to go an insane asylum. I mean, he needs he needs to be put away in the the key thrown as far away as hell so he could can never get out. This guy is is really, really he's he once again he's making up shit with no proof. Put it that way. He has no proof, no evidence of nothing. He is all basically all Donald Trump is doing is trying to uh cover up, lie to protect himself from leaving from being impeached and thrown in fucking jail. Donald Trump, he is a mess. And I, I get sick of talking about him every day on the show, and I get tired of talking about Fox News and, and places like that who are catering to Donald Trump and his lies and his uh, wanting to screw up America. I mean, I don't listen to these folks, so I don't have much to say about them is that because I know they stink. I don't need to listen to them. I don't need to follow them. I don't need to say anything about them because I don't want to give them any more publicity than they want to give me. All I can say is they stink. And 
for uh, who want to change stuff, change things around here, vote blue. And never, ever vote for a Republican. These people should never hold another office in the history of the world. Nowhere. Never, ever vote for another Republican. They don't deserve it. They don't even deserve what they have now. Most of them are quitting anyway. They're quitting because they know they're fucking up. They're quitting because they know they need the Democrats to come in to straighten everything out. And then after the Democrats straighten everything out, the Republicans are going to try and lie their way back into office and fuck everything up again and blame it on Democrats. This is what they're hoping for. So there are more Republicans, I believe, hoping for a blue wave than Democrats because then the Republicans cannot lead. They cannot govern. The only thing that Republicans can do is lie and fuck up, and that's what they're doing, screwing everything up. Luckily, luckily we got some of these level-headed federal judges who will not let them uh, uh, destroy America like they want to. They want to take us back to 1930 Nazi Germany. And I'm not BSing. This is what these people want. Listen to Fox News, John Sean Hannity and the rest of them clowns over there. Dissing America, dissing uh, progressives, using liberal like it's, it's a filthy word. I'm pretty sure some of them would probably agree that liberal is a, a, a filthy word. Then if it's liberal is a filthy word, then I'll proudly wear it. Scumbag is a filthy word, and the Republicans should be proudly to wear that. Scumbag, lowdown, son of a bitches. They should be allowed to wear those uh, words, just like they figure that liberal is a a nasty, dirty word. But we are in some trying times here, folks. There's no doubt about it. Anyway, getting back to what I was originally talking about, Trump – Cannot block users on Twitter, and that's great. If he doesn't want people to respond to his tweets, then stop the fuck tweeting. He's an idiot. Vote blue. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, yeah, folks, I get it. I, I get all the hate mail. I get all the stuff that's uh, that you get, believe me. This is the type of world we're living in. This is what we're living in. As I was telling my guests yesterday on the show, that uh, was it Monday. Um, I mean, Donald Trump has ignited the underbelly of this um, country. I mean, I mean, if you're of color and you're walking down the street, I mean, hey, wow, uh, anything can happen. You can be shot down just because you're black. You can be shouted down just because you're black. Social media is filled with haters. I mean, all over the place. If you post something rotten about Donald Trump, if you post something they don't like, they're going to come back at you and threaten you, call you all kinds of derogatory names, as if that's supposed to stop you. Just some idiot behind a a laptop computer or some idiot with a phone trying to intimidate those who are trying, who want to see this country do better. This is where we're at. This is where we're at, folks. This is where we're at, and this is, it's only going to get worse. Even if Donald Trump makes it to the midterms, 
He will be weakened by a blue wave, but he will still be in the White House. Unlike so many others, I don't think he's going to make it to to the midterms as president. If he makes it all the way to four terms as president, it's going to be a miracle. Because he's fucking up everything. This guy, if you've seen his latest tirade, some spy... This is just Donald Trump and his that goofy ass lawyer Rudy Giuliani making up shit to distract the public, and it and he's doing a good job at it because it's craziness. Because everybody who's anybody has said that's what he's saying is not true. It's craziness. It's the kind of thing that people get put in straitjackets for, and locked away in some sort of dungeon because they're crazy idiots. Donald Trump is, is just, uh, um, <laughs> he just keeps amazing people at his stupidity and at, at, at his enormous lying. Woo, this man can really tell some lies out in the open, lies that are easily proven to be lies. This is what bothers people. If you're going to lie, <laughs> try try. Uh, try to uh, at least lie in a way where it may be, it might be believable. But these people can't get their lies straight. They can't, they can't seem to get their lies straight. And you know what? The entire world knows that Donald Trump lies. This once he, when he goes to court to try to defend himself, all of this is going to be out there in the public. He's already tainted the jury pool against him. He's all, he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna be pretty pretty hard to find um, a jury that's going to be partial once Donald Trump is indicted because he is going to be indicted whether he's indicted in office or whether he's indicted out of office but it's coming it's coming and it's sad that this goofy crazy lunatic man has put this great country through all of this mess and taking us down into the sewer along with those who support him it's just not right america is better than this and i keep telling people all the time do not feel depressed because of this do not feel like we've lost do not feel as if you're helpless. You're not. Donald Trump will pass. Believe me. He will pass. He'll be a footnote in history as the worst president ever. The, the rogue and unresponsive Republican Congress would be uh, uh, in the past. People have to stay alert. You have to stay positive. You have to stay grounded. You have to stay active. In this fight, because uh, we are in a fight for our country. We are in a fight for democracy. Donald Trump and his goons all over the place are trying to take it away. We have to stay alert. We cannot, we cannot use words like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid this is not going to happen. I'm afraid Donald Trump is not going to Stop it. Stop being afraid. You have no reason to to be afraid this is the time you have to stay positive and fight 
galvanize others around you and figure out what the hell you're going to do to take back your country. You know you're going to vote blue. You know you're going to vote against them. That's a starting point. Stay up, stay positive, because that's what the Republicans want you to do. They want you to feel helpless. They want you to feel as if everything is coming down on you. They want that. Don't do that. Because if you feel helpless uh, and you feel as if everything is just too much and you can't handle it, this is what they want. Because they feel if you feel so depressed at the way the country is going, you're not going to vote. Because you're going to say to yourself, why should I vote? My vote is not going to count. Is not going. Excuse me. My vote is not going to count. Republicans are going to win. Yeah, they're going to win if you don't vote. And I've said this a thousand times. If you don't vote, that is a vote for a Republican, because if you don't use your vote, it's still going to be used. Liberals and progressives are in the majority. The Republicans are only 1% of that. 1%. We're the 99%ers. Don't, and the Republicans are hoping that you don't vote. They don't want you to vote because they know if you vote, their asses will not get those jobs. We always remember if you don't vote, your vote is still counted, but it, it's counted against you. Because the Republicans will use it. They will use it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And it's just a great day in the city of Chicago. I can see the sun shining through the window here. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is, uh, no doubt about it, on the air. And uh, we're talking, as always, we're talking politics. But we can always talk other things. You can, if you have something that you want to talk about, uh, feel free. You know what I'm saying? But try to keep it in the vein of what the show is all about. You know, so. All right, we're going to take a musical break and we will be right back.
All right. Uh, thanks for uh, holding on. <laughs> George Water Jr. Show is back. And uh, we're going to have a whole slew of guests, folks, uh, by the end of the month. Um, it's going to be all good. We're going to be talking about different subjects, different things, not, not always the same thing all the time. Uh, a lot of people don't know what the Electoral College is or what it does. Or some may not even care. But anyway, here's someone to explain that all to you. I want to talk to you about the Electoral College and why it matters. All right, I know this doesn't sound like the most sensational topic of the day, but stay with me because I promise you it's one of the most important. To explain why requires a very brief civics review. The President and Vice President of the United States are not chosen by a nationwide popular vote of the American people. Rather, they are chosen by 538 electors. This process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Why didn't the founders just make it easy? and let the presidential candidate with the most votes claim victory? Why did they create, and why do we continue to need this electoral college? The answer is critical to understanding not only the electoral college, but also America. The founders had no intention of creating a pure majority rule democracy. They knew from careful study of history what most have forgotten today or never learned. Pure democracies do not work. They implode. Democracy has been colorfully described as two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. In a pure democracy, bare majorities can easily tyrannize the rest of a country. The founders wanted to avoid this at all costs. This is why we have three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. It's why each state has two senators, no matter what its population, but also different numbers of representatives based entirely on population. It's why it takes a supermajority in Congress and three-quarters of the states to change the Constitution. And it's why we have the Electoral College. Here's how the Electoral College works. The presidential election happens in two phases. The first phase is purely democratic. We hold 51 popular elections every presidential election year, one in each state and one in D.C. On election day in 2012, you may have thought you were voting for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, but you were really voting for a slate of presidential electors. In Rhode Island, for example, if you voted for Barack Obama, you voted for the state's four Democratic electors. If you voted for Mitt Romney, you were really voting for the state's four Republican electors. Part two of the election is held in December, and it is this December election among the state's 538 electors, not the November election, which officially determines the identity of the next president. At least 270 votes are needed to win. Why is this so important? Because the system encourages coalition building and national campaigning. In order to win, a candidate must have the support of many different types of voters from various parts of the country. Huh? Winning only the South or the Midwest is not good enough. You cannot win 270 electoral votes if only one part of the country is supporting you. But if winning were only about getting the most votes, a candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or the biggest states. Why would that candidate care about what people in West Virginia or Iowa or Montana think? But, you might ask, isn't the election really only about the so-called swing states? Actually, no. If nothing else, safe and swing states are constantly changing. 
California voted safely Republican as recently as 1988. Texas used to vote Democrat. Neither New Hampshire nor Virginia used to be swing states. Most people think that George W. Bush won the 2000 election because of Florida. Well, sort of. But he really won the election because he managed to flip one state which the Democrats thought was safe, West Virginia. Its four electoral votes turned out to be decisive. No political party can ignore any state for too long without suffering the consequences. Every state, and therefore every voter in every state, is important. The Electoral College also makes it harder to steal elections. Votes must be stolen in the right state in order to change the outcome of the Electoral College. With so many swing states, this is hard to predict and hard to do. But without the Electoral College, any vote stolen in any precinct in the country could affect the national outcome, even if that vote was easily stolen in the bluest California precinct or the reddest Texas one. The Electoral College is an ingenious method of selecting a president for a great, diverse republic such as our own. It protects against the tyranny of the majority, encourages coalition building, and discourages voter fraud. Our founders were proud of it. We can be too. I'm Tara Ross for Prager University. All right, thanks for that. Report in a uh, Midwest newspaper. Donald Trump supporters in the Midwest area feel like they have been tricked by the devil. Now that is an exact quote from one of the Trump supporters that this newspaper interviewed. Another admitted that he feels stupid for falling for all of Donald Trump's lies. Now, this is not the typical Trump voters finally expressing remorse for their vote story. This story is actually a little bit more detailed and involved. The reason that these people feel like they have been tricked or feel like they're stupid for voting for Donald Trump is because they're the ones who are being directly affected in a negative way by Donald Trump's policies. The people that this paper spoke, uh, spoke to the Lexington Herald leader, they're landscapers, they're farmers, they're people who rely on the H2B visa guest worker program who now may have to close down their businesses, shut down their landscaping organization, shut down their farms because they can't get any workers because of decisions from the Trump administration to limit those programs and limit the amount of workers that come over here to the United States. These are jobs, according to the Trump supporters, that other people, American citizens don't want to take either because they don't pay enough, because the hours are too long, or because the work is just a little too strenuous and difficult. But guest workers They're willing to do anything because they desperately need that money. That's why they come over here and do it. And yes, it's wrong that they get taken advantage of by companies that do this, pay slave wages and give them horrible working conditions with no benefits. But Americans aren't willing to do the work and it's work that has to be done. These businesses fund their communities. When they get money, they go and spend that money at another local small business and so on and so forth. It's the ripple effect through the entire economy. And now these people understand that the policies of Donald Trump, both with the guest worker program and with the tariffs that he is imposing that are hurting farmers all across this country, they know that he's screwed them over and that he doesn't care about them. 
So yeah, this story is a little bit different. It's not the typical CNN panel of Trump voters who say, I don't like him anymore. The porn star thing threw me off. These are people who understand that voting has consequences. Believing the lies of a Republican can and will directly affect your financial livelihood. These people could lose everything that they have built their entire lives for because they voted for a bigot who wants to keep immigrants out of this country for other people. Because keep in mind, Donald Trump appears to only be hiring foreign guest workers at his properties, but that's not good enough for anybody else. It's only good enough for Donald yeah. Trump. You want to yeah. make your business successful. You got to bump your pay up, offer benefits and pay more money. So these American citizens will want to take those jobs. And yes, we should be doing that anyway. But I also understand that there are some industries where it's not possible. Lawn maintenance is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, NFL owners pass new rules, fines to curb national anthem protest. That's wrong. That's curbing the freedom of speech of, uh, of what they can do. I think that's awful. And I, I've uh, told people, and I don't know if anybody's going to follow that, but anyway, I, I don't think you should be watching football anymore. I don't think you should turn on football. I mean, they're treating the players like they're uh, second-class citizens. That's not fair. And all because they're African-American. I, uh, I've been hearing for years that the, uh, the ratings for the National Football League is down. That means a lot of people aren't watching this uh, that that sport no more. They should turn off football. Stop watching it. Uh, hit these people in the pocketbooks. You don't show up in those stands. Uh, you don't turn that uh, TV um, to the NFL games this fall or any fall. It will hit them in the pocketbook. And they'll have to make some changes. They'll have to reverse some of that garbage. It's only because it's only because these players, most majority of them, if not all of them, are African American. They're African American. NFL owners pass new rules. These players don't have to play for these kinds of uh, people. These are slave masters. That's what they are. Uh, and you uh, should not participate in this. If the, if the players cannot. Uh, galvanize together and uh, uh, try to change things in America, try to change things for themselves, try to change things for the world, they shouldn't be playing. If you're going to infringe on their right to speak up, their freedom of speech, uh, you're infringing on the Constitution and they should quit. You have to realize that it's the people of this country we make the, this country. They don't. They get rich off our labor. That's how they get rich. That's how they've gotten rich, uh, off of our labor. If it wasn't for our labor, you would have no corporations. You would have no rich people. And then they get rich off our label. They, then they get rich off our lab, labor, and then they kick us to the ground. Totally, totally unfair. So I'm, I'm banking, I'm hoping that some people, if not all, uh, boycott the NFL for this. This is a this is a travesty. This is a travesty. This is a Trump uh, 
this is Trump's playbook. And that's wrong. I will not be watching football this fall. And I hope you will not be watching it either if you are a football fan. This is, this is uh, awful. This is just taking us back. This is all this is. And they're playing Trump's playbook. The players should quit. Not play football. You should not watch it. You should not go to the games. This is coming from the George Wanda Jr. show because this is pathetic. Fox News, uh, I, I know they're uh, up in arms over this. They're so happy and giddy about this. It's a damn shame. Kicking players to the curve. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. All right, so uh, that's it. I mean, that's it. Just stop watching that crap. Those, uh, all those... Uh, the NFL and, and those uh, pre-game, pre-game programs with, um, yeah, just, just stop watching that crap. You know, just, just stop watching it. it it's awful. They're going to be talking about all of this, the, the rule changes in the NFL, and they, but they're not going to be able to do anything. These guys, uh, it, they can talk about it just like I can. I can talk about it, you know, but I can't do anything about it. The changes, I'm not rich. I'm not a part of the boardroom up there, but I can see what's wrong, what's wrong, and I can see what is right, and that's not right. It, it's awful. Uh, the ratings are down anyway. You know, I mean, why would they want to risk uh, it getting worse? But they have, and this is horrible. So I will not be watching the NFL. I'm pretty sure <laughs> everybody in my household uh, is not going to uh, uh, hurt the NFL one iota. But if millions of people stop watching like they have already and continue to stop because of the, I, I, I think this is abuse, uh, uh, abusiveness of the players. I think this is r- really abusing the players only because they're African-American. This is why, and this is what Trump loves. I don't think they're disrespecting the flag. They're just trying to uh, send a message that this or that should not be tolerated. That's all. I don't think it's a disrespect, but the Republicans, they have to uh, say these kinds of things because that garners them some sort of, uh, uh, give them some sort of right to, uh, to, do, to do and to say what they do on the air. Okay. Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education, uh, I said earlier today to some people that I think uh, public education is coming to an end, um, and they agreed with me. I mean, all of these school shootings, you think about it, so many school shootings every week, every month, every year, whatever, there are so many of these school shootings and there's nothing being done about them. Nothing whatsoever at the federal level. There's nothing being done about them. And that is the reason to why I think there's going to be an end to public education. And then you have Secretary uh, Betty, Betty DeVos this dingbat who knows nothing whatsoever about uh, public education, she's trying to destroy it. And I've said this several times, the people that, pu- that Trump put into office, I mean, the people that Trump give a cabinet post to, they know nothing about what they're doing, and he doesn't give a damn if they know anything about what they're doing. 
But the purpose of these people being at these cabinet posts like Betty DeVos is to destroy it. She's there to destroy public education. Uh, that's it. And there are so many people uh, around the country right now, they're mulling, taking their children out of public schools and teaching them at home, homeschool. I think I think a child would probably get better a better education if 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 you homeschool that child. Because you think of this, majority of public schools now, they they have no public they have excuse me, the majority of the public school system, the public schools in America, the kids have no homework. They have no uh textbooks anymore. Uh, some of them may have a computer or something working on it at school. They will get, most of the time when they're in classes, they get flyers or something to that effect. And some of them don't even need notebook paper anymore. <laughs> you know, because the teachers are giving out flyers and uh, um, worksheets or whatever to them. So they don't really need notebook paper. So there's been a, a, a totally uh, a change in the way the kids are being taught in this country, and I think it's horrible. So uh, a lot of parents are taking their kids out of school, out of public schools, because that's the best thing. for. And that's what the Republicans want. They want to see public education uh, go away. They want to see it done with. They just don't fucking like it. That's why they want to see it gone. They want to see public education public education destroyed because they just don't fucking like it. Republicans. They just don't like it. They have no excuse for doing what they for what they're doing. No rational excuse. It's just that they just want to see it gone. They can't stand people. They can't they don't want people to be smart or intelligent or bright as if they are. Yeah, she uh Betty and Be speaking of Betty DeVos, excuse me, speaking of Betty DeVos, the, secret uh, uh, the secretary of education, and it, every time I see a picture of her, she just looks so stupid. She just looks like she just don't know what the hell she's, what, what she's doing. If you saw that 60 minute interview with her, it was awful. Even her own party criticized her as a dumbass. You know, she didn't know what the hell. Trump put these kind of people in. And uh, it's getting worse and worse every day because he's, he has so many uh, positions to fill in the White House. Nobody's taking them. So he's uh, he's watering down the, uh, the, the uh, experience that a person has to have to um, get a job in the White House. I mean, it, uh, to get a job at McDonald's is more harder than getting a job in the White House. It's much easier to get a job in the White House than, than it is at McDonald's. This is how uh, uh, their system is, hiring system is. Anyway, Betty De DeVall stirs up uh, uproar by saying schools can call the immigration police on undocumented kids. Yeah, can you believe that? She's so stupid. In other words, uh, if there's illegal immigrants children in your school and they are here illegally the teacher can call the immigration police on those children and have those kids taken out of those schools what a rat ass she is what a rat ass she is 
I, I know it's a lot of controversy on that. And I, I'm just seeing this for the first time that Betty DeVos, she wants uh, teachers in a lot of these public schools, education, public education uh, schools, to call the police on children who may be undocumented in sitting in a classroom to get them out. Wow, that is, I mean, that is really something. It, it's really something. I don't know if it's going to, yeah, you may have a few teachers who may do that because you know, just because a person is a teacher in a public school doesn't make that person not a racist. So some will uh, probably uh, adhere to what this dumb ass woman is saying. Um, and then there's another controversy that uh, some of the schools, public schools in America are starting to vote to arm teachers so that teachers can carry guns inside of the classroom. And um, if not all American parents are saying foul, uh, but uh, some of these city councils have uh, local school councils have voted for some teachers in some districts, as I'm speaking, to carry weapons in the classroom uh, while they're teaching their children. And a lot of parents have said that is a no-no. They're taking their kids out. And that's one of the reasons, that's another reason I think that public education is coming to an end especially under Donald Trump, okay, uh, under Donald Trump. As I've said before, if we make it to the midterms and um, uh, we can reverse a lot of this once we are in office, once there's a blue wave and wiping out all of these crazy-ass Republicans and there's a blue wave, we can begin to uh, change things. We can but as of now, Donald Trump is just, I mean, he's messing up. <laughs> he's lying. He's BSing all over the place. He's just, he, America looks like a piece of shit on the map, uh, on, the world, on the world stage um, because of him. And he keeps screwing up. What he's doing is just trying to keep his ass out of jail. He's trying to keep his butt out of jail, and he's trying to stay in power. He loves power. What little he have and what little that he can do, he loves it. This is the worst presidency ever, and I don't need to keep saying that because we all know it. We all know it. And um, six, moving on, six Sandy Hook relatives, an FBI agent is suing Alec Jones for defamation. They need to take this stupid fucker off the air, off radio, off television, wherever he is, because he's just a jackass. And, he, and the only thing he knows how to do, I believe he's on the radio too, but the only thing he's, um, the only thing he, he's doing is just talking. But, I mean, you can't really say things about people, who, people that, that isn't true, especially if they're not uh, public figures. So he's right for being sued. Alex Jones, he is a um, radio host. I think he has a uh, over-the-air radio show host, or maybe he's a podcaster. Every now and then he's on television, but he says some of the outrageous things. That's why he gets so much 
uh, publicity, publicity because he says some of the damnest things. And um, okay, six Sandy Hook families. That's uh, Sandy Hook. You know, that's a that was a scene of another horrific shooting where where the kids who were murdered and shot were just children, six and seven year old children, five and even younger than that. And uh, they're suing this guy. And it says here that six Sandy Hook families, FBI agents, sue Alex Jones for defamation. The lawsuit is the latest of several targeting InfoWars conspiracy theorists. So he has, he's like Donald Trump. He has a lot of lawsuits up his ass and they coming for him. And that's a good thing. Alex Jones may start to learn that his actions as a conspiracy-minded host of InfoWars Info have consequences. Families, family members of six victims of the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, filed a defamation lawsuit on Wednesday against who for years has peddled a false conspiracy theory that the massacre never happened. Oh, <laughs> he's saying it never happened. You get all these children, all these babies dead, and he's saying this has never happened. FBI agent uh, William Aldenberg, who was among those responding to the shooting in which 26 people were killed, joined the suit, which was obtained by uh, the Huffington Post. The suit also names Jones InfoWars contributor Wolfgang Halbig and Halbig associate Corey uh, Skylanka, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It was filed by attorney Josh, Josh, Josh Kokoff of the Bridgeport, Connecticut-based firm, um, so on and so forth. These people have some weird names and pronouncing them. False narrative, and it was false because it really did happen. Part of Jones' false narrative has been that interviews of Sandy Hook parents conducted by CNN were fake. Folks, we've got a lot of video of Anderson Cooper with clear blue screen out there saying, said Jones in 2014 InfoWars Info broadcast. He's not in a town square. We got people clearly coming up and laughing. And uh, all of this is on tape. So if Jones tries, tries to uh, wiggle his ass out of it, uh, it's going to bite him. Uh, the videotape is going to bite him. Okay. Okay. The suit list lists numerous videos made by Jones and articles he has written, including the story published just after the shooting titled Father of Sandy Hook Victim Asked, Read the Card, seconds before the tear-jerking press conference. The story had a video attached to it titled Sandy Hook Shooting Exposed as a Fraud. How could he say that? They, he deserves every suit he gets because that was totally ridiculous saying something so dumb and so stupid that it never exists that it was a hoax and these parents are um mourning their children in this school massacre so this guy deserves everything that he gets everything that he has coming to him alex jones being sued and <laughs> uh, this may take him down a little bit.
That's great. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We will be right back. Well, Donald Trump has destroyed Paul Ryan's life. And as Paul Ryan so clearly realizes... would be a very gross understatement at this point. Right at the end of the year, the Republicans decided to pass their disastrous tax cut package, which cuts a lot of uh, social programs for needy Americans in order to give the millionaires and billionaires of this country a $1.5 trillion tax cut. Republicans, the Republicans who supported this legislation, which is almost all of them in Washington, D.C., sold you out. So far, sitting U.S. President Donald Trump is pretty much the only leader, uh, really not just around this country, but around the world, who has addressed the violence that took place in Charlottesville uh, this past weekend without specifically (laughs) condemning white nationalists, white supremacism, neo-Nazi terrorism, uh, the likes of which took place in Charlottesville. Trump is the only leader that has not denounced those groups. Even Theresa May in the UK came out and said that this kind of behavior is deplorable and that these specific organizations, these groups, these supremacists need to be shut down. Paul Ryan did the same. Hell, even Mike Pence and Anthony Scaramucci came out and said that, but not Donald Trump, no. His response was that it's very, very sad. But more importantly, we all just need to come together. You know, forget the fact that there are people out there expressing views that white people are somehow genetically superior, marching in their polo shirts and khaki pants and tiki torches, threatening other human beings. Now's not the time to address that. Now is the time to come together. Come together with these people who think that you are less than an animal is what Donald Trump wants us to do. Keep in mind, it's not like Donald Trump has some kind of aversion to talking bad about certain groups of people. This is a man who is called uh, refugees animals. He's called Mexicans rapists. He has attacked every possible group of people. Hell, he was on Twitter this morning calling out a black pharmaceutical CEO for leaving his manufacturing council. He spent all morning doing that, but can't say one word about white supremacism. But you know why? And honestly, this is not a shock whatsoever. Uh, Those of us who've paid attention fully expected this, but Donald Trump won't say anything bad about these groups of people's uh, people that committed these atrocities this weekend, because that is his base. Those were Donald Trump supporters. Those were Donald Trump voters. And those are the people that helped propel him to national office. And those are the same people that you see online uh, defending the president at every turn, even when he does something incredibly stupid, insensitive, racist, or whatever. They have his back no matter what. Not to mention the fact that we saw on Thursday, he actually thanked Vladimir Putin for expelling U.S. diplomats from Russia. So do we really expect Donald Trump to stand up to anyone who helped put him in office like these white supremacists? This behavior was disgusting this weekend and should not be tolerated. Anyone who attended that white supremacist, or I'm sorry, it was called a Unite the Right rally, 
should be put in jail. The person who killed that woman with his car should never see the light of day again. We need real justice. We need real reform. We need people put in prison. Until we see that, until we really crack down on this kind of behavior, it will only continue to spread, especially since we have a president sitting in the White House, or excuse me, actually sitting in New Jersey because he's too damn tired to actually go to the White House, who is actually on their side. His statement shows that. His campaign rallies show us that. His base shows us that. These people are what put Donald Trump in office. So we shouldn't be surprised whatsoever that he won't publicly come out and condemn white nationalism because he knows damn well that that's what he believes in and that's what's keeping him in power. And that's right what now. he is. And that's what he is. Now whether Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal will have anybody talking to the president, the Wall Street Journal's editorial board writes today, quote, every sentient voter in 2016 understood that Donald Trump had a bad history with women. But mistakes of character tend to catch up with everyone. And that's what is now happening with President Trump and his many women. Mr. Trump can't retain the best legal counsel because no one wants a client who ignores all advice. He wants to answer questions from Mr. Mueller, but probably won't prepare enough to avoid even accidental self-incrimination. The Stormy Daniels case is typical of Mr. Trump's pre-presidential behavior in thinking he can, with enough threats and dissembling, get away with anything he's never... What keeps us healthy and happy as we go through life? If you were going to invest now in your future best self, where would you put your time and your energy? There was a recent survey of millennials asking them what their most important life goals were. And over 80% said that a major life goal for them was to get rich. And another 50% of those same young adults said that another major life goal was to become famous. <laughs> and we're constantly told to lean in to work, to push harder <laughs> and achieve more. We're given the impression that these are the things that we need to go after in order to have a good life. Pictures of entire lives of the choices that people make and how those choices work out for them, those pictures are almost impossible to get. Most of what we know about human life, we know from asking people to remember the past. And as we know, hindsight is anything but 2020. We forget vast amounts of what happens to us in life. And sometimes memory is downright creative. But what if we could watch entire lives as they unfold through time? What if we could study people from the time that they were teenagers all the way into old age to see what really keeps people happy and healthy? We did that. The Harvard study of adult development may be the longest study of adult life that's ever been done. 
For 75 years, we've tracked the lives of 724 men. Year after year, asking about their work, their home lives, their health, and of course asking all along the way without knowing how their life stories were going to turn out. Studies like this are exceedingly rare. Almost all projects of this kind fall apart within a decade because too many people drop out of the study, or funding for the research dries up, or the researchers get distracted, or they die, and nobody moves the ball further down the field. But through a combination of luck and the persistence of several generations of researchers, this study has survived. About 60 of our original 724 men are still alive, still participating in the study, most of them in their 90s. And we are now beginning to study the more than 2,000 children of these men. And I'm the fourth director of the study. Since 1938, we've tracked the lives of two groups of men. The first group started in the study when they were sophomores at Harvard College. They all finished college during World War II, and then most went off to serve in the war. And the second group that we've followed was a group of boys from Boston's poorest neighborhoods. Boys who were chosen for the study specifically because they were from some of the most troubled and disadvantaged families in the Boston of the 1930s. Most lived in tenements, many without hot and cold running water. When they entered the study, all of these teenagers were interviewed, they were given medical exams. We went to their homes and we interviewed their parents. And then these teenagers grew up into adults who entered all walks of life. They became factory workers and lawyers and bricklayers and doctors. One president of the United States. Some developed alcoholism. A few developed schizophrenia. Some climbed the social ladder from the bottom all the way to the very top, and some made that journey in the opposite direction. The founders of this study would never in their wildest dreams have imagined that I would be standing here today, 75 years later, telling you that the study still continues. Every two years, our patient and dedicated research staff calls up our men and asks them if we can send them yet one more set of questions about their lives. Many of the inner-city Boston men ask us, why do you keep wanting to study me? My life just isn't that interesting. The Harvard men never ask that question. <laughs> To get the clearest picture of these lives, we don't just send them questionnaires. We interview them in their living rooms. We get their medical records from their doctors. We draw their blood. We scan their brains. We talk to their children. We videotape them talking with their wives about their deepest concerns. And when, about a decade ago, we finally asked the wives if they would join us as members of the study, many of the women said, you know, it's about time. So what have we learned? What are the lessons that come from the tens of thousands of pages of information that we've generated 
on these lives. Well, the lessons aren't about wealth or fame or working harder and harder. The clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. We've learned three big lessons about relationships. The first is that social connections are really good for us and that loneliness kills. It turns out that people who are more socially connected to family, to friends, to community, are happier, they're physically healthier, and they live longer than people who are less well-connected. And the experience of loneliness turns out to be toxic. People who are more isolated than they want to be from others find that they are less happy, their health declines earlier in midlife, their brain functioning declines sooner, and they live shorter lives than people who are not lonely. And the sad fact is that at any given time, more than one in five Americans will report that they're lonely. And we know that you can be lonely in a crowd and you can be lonely in a marriage. So the second big lesson that we learned is that it's not just the number of friends you have and it's not whether or not you're in a committed relationship, but it's the quality of your close relationships that matters. It turns out that living in the midst of conflict is really bad for our health. High-conflict marriages, for example, without much affection, turn out to be very bad for our health, perhaps worse than getting divorced. And living in the midst of good, warm relationships is protective. Once we had followed our men all the way into their 80s, we wanted to look back at them at midlife and to see if we could predict who was going to grow into a happy, healthy octogenarian and who wasn't. And when we gathered together everything we knew about them at age 50, it wasn't their middle-aged cholesterol levels that predicted how they were going to grow old. It was how satisfied they were in their relationships. The people who were the most satisfied in their relationships at age 50 were the healthiest at age 80. And good, close relationships seem to buffer us from some of the slings and arrows of getting old. Our most happily partnered men and women reported in their 80s that on the days when they had more physical pain, their moods stayed just as happy. But the people who were in unhappy relationships on the days when they reported more physical pain, it was magnified by more emotional pain. And the third big lesson that we learned about relationships and our health is that good relationships don't just protect our bodies, they protect our brains. It turns out that being in a securely attached relationship to another person in your 80s is protective, that the people who are in relationships where they really feel they can count on the other person in times of need, those people's memories stay sharper longer. And the people in relationships where they feel they really can't count on the other one, those are the people who experience earlier memory decline. And those good relationships, they don't have to be smooth all the time. Some of our octogenarian couples could bicker with each other day in and day out. But as long as they felt that they could really count on the other when the going got tough, those arguments didn't take a toll on their memories. 
So, this message that good, close relationships are good for our health and well-being, this is wisdom that's as old as the hills. Why is this so hard to get and so easy to ignore? Well, we're human. What we'd really like is a quick fix, something we can get that'll make our lives good and keep them that way. Relationships are messy and they're complicated, and the, the hard work of tending to family and friends, that's not sexy or glamorous. It's also lifelong. It never ends. The people in our 75-year study who were the happiest in retirement were the people who had actively worked to replace workmates with new playmates. Just like the millennials in that recent survey, many of our men, when they were starting out as young adults, really believed that fame and wealth and high achievement were what they needed to go after to have a good life. But over and over, over these 75 years, our study has shown that the people who fared the best were the people who leaned into relationships with family, with friends, with community. So what about you? Let's say you're 25, or you're 40, or you're 60. What might leaning into relationships even look like? Well, the possibilities are practically endless. It might be something as simple as replacing screen time with people time, or livening up a stale relationship by doing something new together. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You are my pride and joy. And I just love you, love you, darling. I like a baby boy, loves his toy. You've got kisses, sweeter than honey. And I work seven days a week to give you all my money. And that's why you are Absolutely no end to the hypocrisy, the incompetence, and the double standards of the Trump administration. They and the rest of the greedy old pricks will attack someone for doing something 
than to do even worse without the slightest bit of hesitation. They don't hold this deranged Trump accountable, won't do anything to keep him from creating these huge security risks and worse. And they look the other and they look the other way every time he engages in a yet another violation of the Constitution in the name of lining his own pockets. We need to vote the greedy old pricks out of office come midterms. And Mueller, I'm certain you're doing your best, but please hurry up. We cannot survive having the gross Trump and his deplorable swamp monsters infesting Washington, D.C. and the United States of America. And that is the whole thing in a nutshell. You know, and this NFL thing is it, just awful. You know, I mean, I don't, uh, I'm a big NFL fan and I don't like what they're doing. I don't like the way they're trying to stifle uh, freedom of speech among its players. I mean, it, it seems like they uh, are chaining and bounding these players uh, uh, and it isn't right. So, you know, I'm calling on everybody to boycott the NFL. Don't go to the games. Don't go to the games. Do not even watch them on television. Hit these owners, these billionaire owners, hit them in their pockets. We are the people of the United States. We have to stand up to make sure that uh, these people don't try to destroy uh, our happiness and what America stands for, because they will. I understand. I'm, I'm just as big of a sports fan as everybody else. But we have our standards, you know. This is no doubt uh, racism. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to deny it, you know. But but you know, it is what it is. It's what it's what it is on its face, and um, we just got to stand. We we just can't stand for it. We the people. There's 320 million people in the United States. The Republicans are just one percent. Why are we letting these people walk all over us? That doesn't make sense. Stop letting people walk all over you. Stop letting these people walk all over you. All over you. Get together. Figure out, have a plan to take back your country. Because if you don't have a plan to take back your country, the Republicans are going to take over and it's going to be a shell of itself. Because these people cannot not govern. They cannot lead. They don't even... They don't even plan to govern or to lead. They plan to line their pockets with your and my tax money. This is what they're all about. And I've said this several times. They are and and they are all together. These Republicans are acting all together. I mean, when I say all together, I'm talking about all around America, not just in Washington, D.C. Not just in Washington, D.C. They are a enterprise. They are a syndicate, an empire of thugs and crooks and liars and con men. This is what the Republicans are today in 2018 and maybe in 2019 and beyond. This is what they are. I'm going to say liars, crooks, thugs, goons, gangsters, mafia-type dons. This is what we have around the country. There's, and a lot of them are just 
plain old slime balls. This is what we have. So we have to stick together. We have to stay together. We cannot uh, be depressed, feeling down, feeling despondent at what's going on in our country, in your country, in America. Stay up, stay positive, stay focused, stay in the fight. And be glad of the fight. Tell yourself, I mean, tell yourself this. Say, hey, I'm ready for this fight. Bring it on. This is how you should uh, go about this whole thing. I'm in this fight. I'm quoting uh, who? Uh, Maxine Waters. I'm in this fight. And that's the way you should say it. I'm in this fight. Don't let the Republicans know that you're feeling down, that this is depressing you, because this is what they want. They want to see you down. They want to see you depressed. They want to see you dead, actually. They want you not to vote. This is what they want. Because you, if you don't vote, it means that that's a vote for them, and they could ease their ass back in the office. But we know that won't happen. But anyway, do not feel as if this is the end of the world. It's not. It's a learning curve, just like everything else. Donald Trump will pass. He will not be in office forever. He's 71, 72 years old. And the stress is going to kill him if anything else doesn't of all this shit that's swirling around him. Donald Trump will pass. And this will be a learning curve for us. It'll be a learning curve for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and their children and great-grandchildren. This will pass. It will pass. It, it, it's taking a long-ass time, but it's going to pass. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air here, folks. And I want to make sure that everybody is up and everybody's positive and everybody's going to vote blue. Vote blue. The midterm elections, vote blue. And try, if you can, try to boycott the NFL. Uh you know, but that's up to you. Don't let me try to influence you on anything, but that's up to you. I'm just saying I, I don't I don't think they're fair at this. But you know, they're gonna say that they're fair, but I don't think they're fair. Just you know. Anyway, stay up, stay positive, uh, enjoy your enjoy your day. Make sure you vote blue and tell everybody that you know to vote blue and we gotta get these scoundrels out of office. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. It's going to be more fun. Well, more politics and Donald Trump is going to be up to something else. You know, you, you, you got to cover it. If you love America, you got to cover it and you got to try to do something to rectify the damage that the, he has done. Everything he's doing, folks, can be overturned, can be reversed. Okay? It may take some time, but it can be reversed. Just like he's reversing everything of Obama, a Democratic president, will get into office and reverse everything of Donald Trump's, especially if it's damaging. All right. Uh, bye-bye, everybody. I want you to have a great evening, <laughs> a great evening, a great weekend, whichever one comes first, and stay up and stay positive and vote blue. <laughs>